Welcome to our first ever Zoom Links Draft meeting. Um, Katie, this is big. I know, it's wild. I also can't like hear if I put both of my headphones on, so I have to have like one ear out. It's a good look. It's not, uh, <laughs> it's not. Um, while I am wearing a shirt that's like semi-dressy, I am wearing athletic shorts. Just so everybody's- workout clothes, so. Yeah, just so everybody knows. Um, I, I think that's part of it. We're recording this on Thursday at about two o'clock central time. The draft is scheduled for about, um, I guess, 28 hours from now. And I mean, yesterday it was funny because we were talking about the WNBA draft and you asked me whether I thought like this draft was more predictable than last year's. And I said, uh, no, I think it's more unpredictable. And then we did a conference call with Cheryl Reeve and she said that it was more predictable. So nobody knows anything at this point. Um, Katie, I guess to start, what do we know about this draft? Um, it's all virtual, which I know it's not ideal, but obviously the right decision. Um, I think Sabrina Ionescu is like for sure number one. I think there's a 99.9% .9 chance that she selected first. And then two and three could be kind of the toss up, but I feel like those are either one. I mean, they could be switched around, but I feel like that'll be Satu Sabali or Lauren Cox, but who knows? Yeah, it I seems like that's like the consensus top three. Right. Um, whether you want to flip those two at two and three, and um, the, the more and more I've, I've, I've seen, it seems like Cox has kind of fell from two to three, um, but but we'll see, I guess. Which would be Indiana, like her and Tierra McCowan together? It'd be a crazy front court, but. Well, and that's the thing, like I always think of, and that's the difference between the NBA and the WNBA is in the NBA, you'd say, well, like, you don't need two big posts like that. Like you need perimeter help in the WNBA that that's totally fine. And we're, you know, we kind of saw it with that trade that Washington made, um, obviously like Elena Deladon, I mean, she, she's not your traditional post player, but, um, and, and then like, it seems at four, we're going to see Chennedy Carter from Texas A&M. Like that seems like it's kind of the consensus pick and like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the draft kind of starts after four. Like it seems like we have our top four picks. Um, probably, and then maybe after that, we're going to see uh, there's, there's like like a million things could happen. Right. No, I think Carter is like pretty solid for. I could maybe see her dropping, but I feel like with Atlanta, that's having a prolific score like that is a good fit. Yeah, and then five, I feel like that's where all the mock drafts kind of switch up. Like I don't know if I've seen any consistency at five so far, but. And, like, who knows if Dallas will even be picking at five tomorrow. They could trade something or something could be in the works, but that's that makes it tricky to see who Minnesota is going to pick at six, too, and predict that. But Yeah, when we're filling all these out and, like, doing our prospect profiles and everything, and, not, like, obviously, I mean, the, the tough thing about all of this and, and probably the most disheartening thing is as far as content goes around – college basketball women's college basketball it's that there's not a lot of info that we can gather like there's not like the info is not even on like a basketball reference page you know if you want to see stats and if you're looking for an individual player's highlights more so than not you have to watch a full team yeah. highlight package to get that and that's fine but it, it just makes the, the job for media members and and whatnot to do their research harder than it you know thus it makes the fans getting their stuff uh harder to do so 
uh, yeah, like when you, when you talk to, to Cheryl, like we did, it is pretty eye opening to, you listen to her talk and you're like, wow, you, I mean, and obviously, right. But like, it's like, you know, so much more than we do. Um, you know, in the NBA, you can kind of tell with some of the coaches when they're pulling your leg a little bit, um, with Cheryl, you know, it's like, well, yeah, there's, there's so much that they know that we don't know. So maybe Carter doesn't go for, I don't know, like maybe somebody, you know, um, you know, like Walker goes, goes for, um, who knows? Well, Cheryl said, and I brought this up with you yesterday, but after he's either in the national call or just the local, um, Minneapolis one that we did, but she said there were three, like, potential stars in this draft and then Lauren Cox was the fourth and that kind of like threw me because I thought she was in the top three but maybe that just means she'll be a solid player and doesn't have as high of a ceiling as like Sabali and Inescu but who knows I don't yeah. I just don't know who that third potential star is but we'll see yeah Cox to me seems like the player that has a very very high floor but I just don't know like how high her ceiling is Right. And I, I hate bringing up like injuries in the past, but she has been like, she had a significant injury this past year. Um, but I don't know. It's hard to count that against players too. So we'll see. As, as far as the links go, a, a big question and, and Cheryl didn't tell us um, really anything, but the big question is whether or not you go for positional need or you go for best player available and, and, I wrote this in a piece yesterday. Maybe the links don't even have to make that choice. Um, right. like there's, there's a lot of point guards that seem to be available in this draft that are very good. Uh, whether or not, you know, you have uh, Taisha Harris from South Carolina and then there's Crystal Danger, Dangerfield from UConn. Um, those are two players that are slotted to go right in the middle of the first round. And I don't know if that's based on positional need or if they are just the best players available. Um, you know, then you have somebody like Walker who, 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 you know, she could, it seems like she could maybe go four, but it also seems like she could slide to the back of the first round. Um, you know, and then you have uh, Oregon's Ruthie Hebert, who like two weeks ago when we were kind of doing our, our first research, she was in like the top three or top four, top five. And now it seems like there's talk that she might slide out to the first round, which I, I don't think is going to happen. But um, if you're the links, or, you know, and if you're looking at this draft, what, what I guess, what's the difference between like what, what player – do you, do you see them going after if it's not a point guard? What player would be like that player that's like okay, you know, they're just too good for us to pass? Because none yeah. those those it doesn't seem like those the, the players that are in the top three aren't going to fall to six. Right. Um, I think Bella Alari's up there. Um, I I feel like Megan Walker. Like, I just just reading like local UConn reporters, I feel like a lot of them were kind of surprised that she didn't go back for her senior year. And which doesn't seem like a great sign. Sorry, my coffee pot just went off, but um, it's okay. We are, we're all in need of coffee. <laughs> I was also glad that we scheduled this for two because at one forty-five the tornado sirens went off, but. Um. Okay. That's good. I was trying to figure out what that was. Cause I know the first Wednesday of every month, it's the, it's like the weather service test or maybe like the fire I don't know what it is but they test it I did not know what this one was but um I feel like Megan like defensively could use some more development and like right now the Lynx kind of need a solid defensive player I mean someone who's not going to be a liability at least but I really like Bella Lari um I've been high on Crystal Dangerfield but Cheryl made it pretty clear that if Ty Harris is still 
available at six that they would pick her over Dangerfield. And I think that probably has to do with how she led South Carolina, who was undoubtedly, I mean, the best team aside from maybe Oregon, but that's kind of up in the air. But um, otherwise, Beatrice Montpremier, she's um, athletic forward. And I think having her like develop and learn from Sill would be pretty huge too. But how about you? Where are you looking Well, I want to talk about Bella because like, again, when we first started doing all this, it was like, okay, like this player – uh, an Ivy League player might be a first-round pick, and it was like, okay, that seems silly. Why would that happen? Um, and, and then you, you know, you watch her play, and you're like, okay. And I hate making this comparison just because like they, they look alike, but she does have kind of like a little Elena Deladon to her. Yeah. Um, like it's an easy comparison to make, and it's kind of lazy, but like, I mean, it, it seems somewhat accurate. Um, so there's like two situ- two scenarios here that's going to happen. I don't think there's any in between. I think she's either a going to come in and be like, like. Elena Deladon can be very, very good and impactful. Or I think there's a scenario where she is not ready and like gets outmatched. Yeah. And just because, you know, when you're playing in an Ivy League school, you're not going up against big programs. Then again, when I think in like two or three games when she did play against, uh, I think it was in the Big Ten, she averaged, you know, like mid 20s, you know, points per game. But I, I don't see much of a middle. Like I, I don't see it where like she's like a, you know, like an okay player. I think it's like she's going to be like really good and surprise people. And we're going to look back and be like, wow, why isn't she a top three pick? Or she, like, it's going to be clear from the very beginning um, that, that, that she doesn't fit. I mean, like, is there steam that she could go six? Could she go as high as six to the links? I don't know. I, I haven't seen that as much, but I mean, she's been talked about more. And I feel like she's a player, I think Holly Rowe might have said this on the national call, who would have. Yeah, her stock would rose had there been a tournament and if she was able to prove herself like in March Madness maybe uh-huh. not to make a comparison with the men but maybe she could have been like the John Morant of this season or what would have been this March Madness tournament I don't know but yeah I do like her and obviously she was she's 6-4 so a lot of her scoring was when she was going up against like players under six foot and who knows what her game will look like when she's going up against stronger, taller players. But I don't think you can count her out completely because of that. But no, yeah, I'm excited. Cheryl, she knows it's going to happen. We don't. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. And I was just thinking, you know, like kind of going over some of our draft stuff. Uh, I'm actually pretty excited tomorrow because I genuinely don't have really any feel for how things are going to go, um, you know, after the first round. So, um, well, Katie, thank you for joining me. Um, for all you guys watching this before the draft, which I hope you do, because if you watch it after, it'll probably be useless. Um, draft Friday, 6 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Um, it's all virtual. It's going to be kind of weird. Um, also, but, but be there for history, because I think it's like the first major sports league to do a virtual draft like this. Um, the NFL certainly taking notes as they do theirs later this month. But uh, again, thank you for watching. Get all of our coverage, linksbasketball.com. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks.